Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like y'all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Howdy, folks. This is good old JR Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report. And I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. The Ross Report is sponsored in part this week by DDP Yoga. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's the new year and everybody seems to be making New Year's resolutions trying to lose weight. Well, in the same spirit, with DDP Yoga and their fantastic DDPY app, you have everything you need to not just lose that weight, but also change your own life. Change your own life. You can also own your own life. How about that? What if people could just own your own life? You can. The DDPY app has everything. Each week, Diamond Dallas Page shares a, a video that walks you through everything you need to do. You can log on all your workouts, monitor your heart rate, and track your progress with photos, measurements, and even a pain index. And if you have a Bluetooth heart monitor, the DDPY app can track your entire workout. It's amazing how many calories you burn can give you points for redeemable prizes. Yeah, I said redeemable prizes. If you're more old school and prefer DVDs, they have DVDs, but... When you buy the DVDs, you still receive three months free on the DDPY app to try out. It's a great deal. Right now, DDP Yoga is having their New Year's sale, and they are taking 20% off their DVDs and DDPY swag. Love the swag. Go to ddpyoga.com for all the details. There's no better time to take advantage of the DDPY program, folks. No better time. DDP Yoga can work for all ages, weights, and fitness levels. It is a kick-ass cardio workout and will dramatically increase your flexibility and strengthen your core, all with minimal joint impact. 
So be on your way to not only change your life, but to own your life. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice. Welcome to the Ross Report. Slobber Knopper Audio is on the air. Hi again, everybody. I am Jim Ross. And uh, who else would I be? Why do I even say that? Why would you download the Ross Report and get somebody else? That defeats the purpose. My show has a purpose today. Our show has a huge purpose because we've got two very good guests that are doing some really unique things right now in their careers involving pro wrestling. One is Bruce Pritchard. Of course, Bruce, uh, brother love for many years has one of the most successful podcasts along with Conrad Thompson. And that's what comes out on Fridays. Something to wrestle with Bruce Richard. So uh, we'll talk to Bruce about that and other things. Cause he's very busy and they're doing a lot of really unique marketing things. Uh, Bruce and Conrad are speaking of, and you know, I love Connie, Connie, my mom. I love those chings. Oh my. And uh, later in the program, part two of my chat with my Toronto friend, John Pollock from the brand new and exciting postwrestling.com. If you are a wrestling fan, you should check it out. Postwrestling.com. And uh, we'll continue to discuss the many possibilities in pro wrestling and MMA, the crossover that looks like it's coming. Thoughts on Ronda Rousey eventually getting in WWE. Kind of makes sense to me. I don't think it's outlandish to talk about Conor McGregor doing a drive-by one-off at a big WWE event. I could see him doing a stadium show in, in Ireland and killing it. But that's a one-off deal. Nonetheless, we'll talk to John Pollock about that. He knows much more about it than, than I do, quite frankly. But I'll also like to get John's thoughts on uh, Brock Lesnar's run, the XFL, back or no. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff with John Pollock on part two this week. And so we'll get to that momentarily. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, you know you want it. You gots to have it. You needs it. I'm talking about here's what's on my mind. What's on JR's mind? Well, it's tough to report that uh, Paige's in-ring career is apparently over due to a neck issue. Young lady's only 25 years of age. But I can tell you, that's certainly not too old to reinvent. I damn sure did it. A lot older than that, young lady. Her professional life is not over by a long shot. But, uh, you know, you ought to wonder this. When you break into the business at age 13, what's one's plan B as far as it relates to wrestling? You're in the business at age 13, and you wrestle in the off season every year. That's what you're motivated to do. So now what is plan B? Because she's got to figure out plan B, and probably the most at-hand items will be affiliated with the WWE and the sports entertainment world. She also, I think, could be a very interesting character in movies. She has a lot of potential as a, as a heroine or as a villainess. WWE Network's got opportunities. She's got name identity. She has a great smile. I just think that you could do a lot worse than her if she has other mindset to be able to step out of the spotlight and fulfill another role on the team. So I wish her the best. It's just tough news. But sometimes that's just the way things are meant to be. Easy for me to say. I'm pulling for you, Paige. You know, it seems to me that chaos and mixed martial arts oftentimes 
stems from uh, disastrous or near disastrous weight cutting issues. They're negatives. I don't understand this. You don't have to be an MMA aficionado. You have to be a nutritionist. You have to be a physical trainer to understand logic and common sense. And I'm just saying to you that what logical decision maker would have to continue to, to figure out a way to ease the sting of this lousy issue? Extreme weight loss is unnatural. It's unhealthy. And it is years past due awaiting a logical remedy. Hey, look, MMA in general is lacking in a new breakthrough stars, at least a few of them. I take one right now, one major new breakthrough star that is a main eventer and will sell pay-per-views. You don't want the biggest story of your genre about somebody dying of a extreme weight cutting situation and not because this person is the next big thing. Two entirely different conversations. Come on, fix the weight cutting issue. Got to be a solution, right? Speaking of uh, MMA, and we were, Ronda Rousey chatting with WWE Brass. Shouldn't surprise anyone. We talked about it here not too long after she made her appearance in San Jose, if you remember. She was in the ring with Rock, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H. I thought it was magic. And as the loving spoonful has said many times, I do believe in magic in a young girl's heart. I think that there are, like WWE and Ronda Rousey are, is a match made in box office heaven. I said that. I believe that. She sells pay-per-views. She is a compelling character with a proven track record. She's a star. And she's also a world-class judo player. She's a badass chick, and she's hot. So consequently, I think that uh, there are a lot of matches that Ronda could uh, participate in that would be big-timers in WWE. Here's a little scenario for you. What if, hypothetical, what if, so please, don't, for clicks, don't go in there and say, Jim Ross predicted, but if you're fantasy booking, understand what fantasy means. Some of you should, probably have got way too many more fantasies than you need, actually. Go wash your hands and get out of here. I'm just saying that what if Ronda Rousey was a surprise entrant to the Royal Rumble? And what if she won the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia a little bit later in the day from my big show there at uh, Slobberknocker Sessions? So if she wins the Rumble, that gives her the right to meet the champion of her choosing at WrestleMania. And you can certainly milk that for a few weeks if you chose to, a week or two, whatever. What champion is Ronda going to challenge? Well, you know the money match. Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey. Not a bad uh, show closer. Something to think about it. Some people are going to be kicking and screaming. It's not the time. It should be somebody else. The question is, if there's an opportunity for these two women to headline a show, the magnitude of a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam, and specifically a WrestleMania, then we are in a whole new world, of which I quite frankly applaud. Oh, yeah, and one more sidebar to the Ronda Rousey story. I've seen it spoken where those that were unknow unknowing would say, the women in the WWE locker rooms will not welcome Ronda Rousey. She'll be an unwanted guest. Bullshit. Stop it. Ronda Rousey means more eyeballs become attached to the product. The more eyeballs are attached to the product, the more they can be monetized. And the various and sundry ways that monetization occurs with a lot of people watching and subscribing to the network, everybody gets a little cut of the pie. 
The more eyeballs in the product means more money for everybody. Nobody's going to be mad because they're making more money. Well, I see where Impact Wrestling has some new creative leadership in place, and they're making the expected and needed talent roster changes, which is a win for Impact Wrestling, in my opinion. You know, while searching for a more viable North American TV partner, this Canadian-based organization, or as they might say, organization, they need to write logical TV shows. That's imperative, right? Consistent, logical, creative, with realistic storylines that are plausibly true, and most importantly, get somebody hot. Heard us talk about that before. Somebody's got to catch on fire. And you catch on fire by having momentum, creating momentum and not backing off. Commit, and you can't uncommit in two or three weeks. Don't work that way. So that's what you got to do. We can say the same thing about the USC, same thing about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan. Everybody wants somebody to get hot. You'd never have enough of those people, men or women. The only issue now is that WWE is opening the door more for the women to ascend that ladder than anybody else in the, in the business. I think that's healthy. I would have no problem with Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey under the right build headlining a WrestleMania. Shame on me. I turn in my old-timers card when I leave the building. I really appreciate the feedback that we've been receiving for the Access TV presentation of Wrestle Kingdom 12. It's been largely positive, which was always nice to hear. Everybody didn't like it, but they never will. It's fine. I hear my work sometimes, and I cringe. So you ain't the, you ain't the only one. But the effort was there, and I really felt good about our how we represented the business and the product, and we got talent over, and we protected those that were, did not go over. So I, I thought we had a good outing. I'm really proud to work with Josh Barnett in that regard. But if you don't like, you know, some people want Kevin Kelly and Don Callis calling uh, those matches on Access TV, and that's not what Access TV wants. Gosh, I don't know what to tell you. You know, we can just keep doing good work as best we can, and hopefully you'll come around. But don't stop watching because of us. Hell, moot the damn thing. They're down to sound, baby. You don't know what you're missing, though. The Raw 25th anniversary, Monday night, January 22nd, live on the USA Network. I expect that the King and I will be doing something at the Manhattan Center. That seems apropos, but that's not been confirmed. So we could be at the Barclays Center. I don't have any idea. Don't care. I'm just happy to get a jersey and a trip to New York City. My own little Heisman presentation. It's going to be kind of cool. 25 years. It's amazing, isn't it? 25 years. Some of the best nights of my entire career were sitting at ringside for Monday Night Raw. Without a doubt. So easy. It's not even a close race. Uh, I had a lot of good jobs. I worked with a lot of really, really good people that made me better than I probably am or ever will be. But, boy, I'll tell you, that ringside on those Attitude Era Monday Night Raws, the audience was, it was packed. I mean, it was just setting, setting arena grosses and, and st- ticket sales and just phenomenal. Guys making a million dollars and a quarter selling T-shirts. Amazing. Magical run, folks. Magical run. God, I'm so blessed I got to be a part of it. So looking forward to joining the King uh, to be a part of the celebration. A quarter of a century of weekly television in prime time. So uh, that'll be fun. Looking forward to it a lot. Fly through New York City on the 21st, I think, and then uh, hang out in the Big Apple. 
a lot of other talents are coming in and staying at the same hotel on Sunday. So I'll get to see some of my, my buddies. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. Hey, uh, don't forget that, just a real quick mention here, that our first ever Slobberknocker Sessions, the exclusive 100 tickets only on sale at TicketFly.com event. It's going to be at noon on Sunday, January 28th. That's the Sunday of the Royal Rumble, that whole big complex there in uh, in Philly. The Rumble is going to be at the arena, and we're at the baseball park right there across the grounds at the uh, Diamond Club at Citizens Bank Ballpark. So parking's right there. It's a beautiful room. It's not going to be overcrowded. If you come to my show, you're going to be uh, gifted a free hardcover book that I'll sign to you, photo ops, Q&A, you know, meet and greet, all that good stuff for the ticket price. So it's, we think it's a good value. Love to see you there. So as I said, tickets were only a hundred of them went on sale. They've been selling right along just to let you know, ticketfly.com has tickets. You can check them out online and, and we'd love to see you there and be the, part of that exclusive group that we're going to, I think the Q and A should be great. Jeremy Borash is going to be with me. It's always entertaining with JB around. We look forward to seeing you there in Philadelphia at the Diamond Club. On Sunday, January 28th, noon, the first ever Slobberknocker Sessions. A lot of bang for your buck at TicketFly.com. We are very optimistic and excited about the fact that Slobberknockers continue to sell at a very rapid pace. And we're trying to keep up with the demand for the book on the retail side. So if there are stores, that, no matter, maybe Amazon or, you know, Amazon's got the hardcover, the ebook, the audio version, as do Barnes and Noble. Our friends at Bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey, bookends.com, they have signed copies of Slobberknocker that they'll ship to you anywhere you live, anywhere you are. That's Bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Check them out. Good folks. And I signed a bunch of books for them on our signing there. And we also have books at Books a Million and wherever the books are sold, we are told to say. But the, uh, the book is doing great, still doing well. There's a lot of buzz about it, and I'm really blessed. It's doing so well. It makes me feel better about finishing it because that wasn't a guarantee. Once Jan got killed, it was like a photo finish to get it done. And if it hadn't been for Paul O'Brien and a lot of other people in my life, I would not have, that would not have happened because I was ready to do what Daddy said. Quitting's the easiest thing in the world to get good at, and I down there threw my towel in on my own game. I would have been so pissed. Now I'm very happy that it didn't, didn't happen. So uh, in any event, Slobberknocker doing great. Uh, check it out uh, wherever books are sold, including Amazon around the world is allegedly stocked. And if not, I'm sure you'll let me know on Twitter at JRSBBQ. That's what's on my mind. Hey, this is Jim Litke, host of AP Sports Weekly, where we harness the shoe leather, insight, and experience of some of the smartest reporters in the business to bring you the news. I've been an AP Sports columnist since 1989 and covered every major championship around the globe multiple times and crossed paths with some of the greatest athletes of our time. And now I'm excited to bring you a weekly recap of the most interesting happenings in sports. So make sure to download new episodes of AP Sports Weekly every Tuesday on PodcastOneSports.com, the new Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts. Here it is, 2018. The year starts all over again. The competition starts all over again. Being competitive as an entrepreneur as I am, you just ramp up. Here we go again. I love that. I love the chase. And I love the fact that we're trying to build a business based on my mother's vision of barbecue sauce and my wife Jan's ketchup and her mustard. It's at www.shop.com, JR's Condiments. Two barbecue sauces, chipotle ketchup, jalapeno honey mustard, the best seasoning I've ever tried. I wish I could tell you I created it, but I borrowed it 
and private label it from Stan Brooks over in Yukon, who's in the Smoke Meat Hall of Fame, by God. That's truth. Fact. No, no kidding. So it's a great rub, but it's also a great seasoning for anything you cook on the stovetop or in your oven. You can get it at wweshop.com. They are great at customer service. They'll take care of you. And if they don't, let me know, and I'll try to help you. So we've got the sauces, the ketchup, the mustard, beef jerky, 97% fat-free, made of eye of round. Good stuff. So www.shop.com has all that waiting you, and they'll get your order out quickly. Also, speaking of getting your order out quickly, and great customer service as well, my friends at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jim Ross are doing a hell of a job. Uh, representing, in a marketing sense, many of the wrestlers around the world, helping them create their own stores, their own retail outlets, handling the shipping, their order fulfillment, because they're good at it. They know what they're doing. ProWrestlingTees.com, you find no harder working group of folks. Uh, I love being around them. Their, their energy is infectious. So do business with ProWrestlingTees.com. And my little spot of the world there is ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jim Ross. Size up to 5X. They ship anywhere in the world. And we appreciate your business. The Ross Report. Always good to catch up with the Brother Love. A little love never hurt nobody, ladies and gentlemen. Bruce Pritchard is Brother Love, and he's joining me from his palatial estate somewhere near Houston. How are you, buddy? I'm um, great. Yeah, the, the Piggly Wiggly would be sold out if they knew exactly where I was. <laughs> I bet. Texas, by God, you know. Yeah. Got to love the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, there ain't many of them left, like Safeway. I saw a Safeway store somewhere the day I was and said, well, there's a there's a dinosaur, an old, an old Safeway store. That's what they call us is dinosaurs. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be offended if I were you because on me, I got I ain't got a leg to stand on. I am a dinosaur, I don't, and I don't care. That's fine. Uh, but I'm a happy dinosaur, if that means anything to anybody. I'm having fun doing what I do. Look, you guys, uh, you and Conrad... And then Conrad's relationship with Tony is really, to me, from a marketing standpoint, and that's why I talk about it on my show uh, probably more than anybody else's podcast, is because it's entertaining, it's unique, it's amazing how if we are pressed into action and find the right opportunity, how it's possible for all of us to reinvent. And you've done a hell of a job of reinventing yourself. You went to the woodshed, we've all been there. Some guys make it back quicker than others. But I salute you, my friend, where you're where you've reinvigorated yourself. It seems like it feels like you're in a real good place. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it is, and it, it's crazy because it's kind of like you think that I had reached a point in my life where I said, you know what, I'm, I'm out of the wrestling business. I, I don't want to hold on to that anymore. And then I thought I was out, and then they just pulled me right back in. And if you had found me two years ago and said, hey, Bruce, you're going to be doing a podcast telling old stories, I would have laughed in your face. But, uh, you know, Conrad Thompson got me going and, and pitched this idea to me after I was telling stories one night sitting on the couch. And I said, that's something I'll never do. And he stayed on me, and I'm, I'm happy as hell that he did because, you know, right now we're having a lot of fun every week and uh, putting out our podcast and just telling some old stories from my perspective and having fun with it. Yeah, having fun's a key thing. They ain't all going to be true. I discovered that in my years of performing. A funny embellished story is better than a true boring one. Exactly. So. And it's my perspective and it's my damn story, so that's <laughs> yeah, what I'm sticking right. to. <laughs> he, he, yeah, there you, this is, it could be just as simple as that. There are your stories, right. and it is your perspective. And so what you hope then as a marketer is that your perspective is 
interesting enough to enough people that you can monetize it. And that's what we exactly. all want to do. We're all creating content. Exactly. I was really amazed at the idea, the marketing idea with the uh, the NBA team, the the Nets, right? Exactly, yeah. Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn Barclays yeah. Center. Yeah. yeah, that's an amazing idea. I, I'm so curious. Tell me about it. Well, I wish I could take credit for it, but they actually contacted us and they reached out to Conrad and said, "What would it take to get you guys to come on in and partner with us? Because we feel that your audience and our audience is one and the same, and we'd." We'd like to capitalize on that. So they invited us, came up with the concept, and it happened to be the same weekend as the WWE 25th anniversary for Monday Night Raw. Okay. And they said, you know, a lot of things are going on here, and we would love to have you come on out, and we'll make it a doubleheader where right after the basketball game, you have your live version, your live show right after our game. And we'll do one special ticket, and get some something to wrestle with fans out there. So we were intrigued by the idea. The craziest thing, Jim, is is we're doing the first one this Friday, January 19th at Barclays Center. Get your tickets at boxofgimmicks.com. They started only $35. But from there, we've also now, uh, we're entertaining ideas. We're going to be working with the NHL and doing some stuff for some NHL games coming up, some other NBA games. And tapped Conrad in. and I are kind of pinching ourselves going, is this real? Yes, you tapped into a vein. It's like the old days of, of booking a territory. You know, Bruce, you got, I mentioned this on my show before. I'm not going to talk about Impact Wrestling right now, but Impact Wrestling's biggest goal is, other than finding a TV home that you can find and see, is getting somebody hot. Getting somebody that I give a damn about watching. Male or female, I don't care. Give me a reason to watch your show. And that starts with getting somebody hot. And 50-50 booking won't do that, but you got to get somebody hot. I love the concept. And I think it's, it's a bold thing for a performer because, man, you're going to be in a lot bigger room, I'm assuming, than you're used to playing. I know it would be for me. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. But, man, we're up for the task and looking to – we've got a few surprises that are going to come on out and entertain everybody. And we may actually – before we get there, we might entertain release a couple of them but uh it's going to be fun and i'm i'm interested to see how this is going to turn out but it's the largest market in the world in new york and we did we did great in new york when we were there over SummerSlam weekend and as you know the new york audience holy cow yeah great um they're passionate yeah <laughs> i mean given new york and philly where they're just so damn passionate about the wrestling and everything their sports teams and perform in front of them and get that interactive crowd going back and forth. You're going to have a blast. Yeah, it's, it's a great concept. I'm really glad you're uh, at the front of the line on it. You know that how our business is, make sure you establish it well because you will be duplicated, you know, impersonated, I'm trying to say. And that, too, is a primary trait of the territory booking days. I guess somebody's got a great idea. Let's, how can we make it ours? The smart bookers were able to do that back in the day, as you well know. I was thinking driving over here today to record this, that countryside that I was driving by reminded me of Bixby, Oklahoma, which is south of Tulsa. It kind of reminded of our, our days together when we were just, I think it was after Paul was still open, right? right? Or didn't, what, weren't we doing? Oh, yeah. I think maybe that caused a little bit of heat because I don't think Paul was really high on you doing things outside his nest. It didn't seem like that no, to me. No, you don't. 
the, the crazy thing about it, Jim, and, and you may not even remember this. Obviously, I remembered it because it hit me at home. But we had the Mid-South and the Power Pro and those shows that were nationally syndicated and aired everywhere. And I, you guys, I did the uh, promos for the individual markets and, and a lot of those uh, in whatever starting in, I think, what, 85 or 86. And the stuff that we did for Houston, when you guys had me do interviews and things that aired on the national show, they would have that edited out in Houston and replace it with either Paul or his nephew doing that. Wow. So much so they didn't want it. They didn't want me on TV. And that always just astonished the hell out of me. But that's it just, was what it was. Oh, that's, that's old school insensibilities. As an old school guy, I'm 66 years old now. And I feel good. And I've got a good outlook on life, I think, for the hand that I've had last uh, 10, or tw- 10 or 12 months. It's been great. But I'm making it. That's just, those, those are insensibilities, Bruce, that are a byproduct of the damn business to a large degree. You, we can think of some of the similar stories from different promoters, different bookers, different talents. They all got some of the same. They all check the same boxes by and large. Yeah, I remember uh tell you a funny story. I, and I, I'm sure that we, we, we talked about it before. But uh, for, for your listeners, okay, mm-hmm. Paul Bosch, the, the promoter in Houston Wrestling, and he had, he had done the play-by-play and everything, the interviews. He was the on-air talent. For the show in Houston. And when we went with Mid-South Sports and Bill Watts, and Bill Watts had this this young marketing kid that uh, Bill talked about, oh, this guy's a genius, and he's this, that, and I'm going to bring him in, Paul, and he's going to help you, and he's going to do some commentary, but he'll also help you with marketing. And this young kid, his name was Jim Roth. Uh, And they... That, you remember I, doing the, the play-by-play down at the ring without headset? Yeah. One, Paul would turn his back to you. Yeah, one stick mic, he, and he held it. His hands were huge. <laughs> There's one stick mic, Brucey. I remember Cowboy said something. He was want to get some storyline in. He said, Paul won't understand this, but you got to get a subliminal thought there about some angle coming up, like dog and somebody. So you say something like, well, I'll tell you. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but junkyard dog versus so and so, something I'd like to see someday. Some, oh yeah, some little bubble. Well, he said, you know, Paul's going to make that work. Okay, he said, I want you to get that in. It's important. Okay, I got it. Well, I'm there and I'm ready. I'm waiting for my cue, Mister Demille. I never saw the mic. His goddamn hand covered it all, and then you said he turned his back to me, so I didn't know what he was saying either. So it was a, it was just crazy, a crazy time and. I wish I had gotten along with him better. I didn't dislike him at all. I was too upstart, too young, too foolish, whatever. I don't know. Paul always used to say whenever, whenever you know, we would get the cards and there would be some kind of gimmick match on, and <laughs> and Paul would, would immediately, because, ah, his new marketing genius, I guess this must be his idea. And he would always call, no matter what the gimmick was, no matter what, what they had on the card, he would call it, oh, I guess we're having slack night tonight. Because back in the the 50s and 60s, it was a promotion that a lot of the old-time promoters would do that they would have slacks night for the ladies. So ladies that came <laughs> dressed in slacks got 50% off. They got saved, you know, 50 cents on your ticket. Yeah. And so no matter what came up, 
it would he oh I guess this is flax night this week. <laughs> I would just that's, chuckle. That's funnier now. It didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Yeah, well and here's the, here's the issue there too about that. He knew who to confront on those cards. Oh yeah. Hey, I'd love to be able to take credit for a lot of those runs that was there. Well, that'd be lying. I contributed my share, but they're Cowboys bookies, Cowboys ideas. Jim, when the business is great, Vince is a genius. When the business is not great, that damn Bruce and Jr. don't know what the hell they're doing. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's it's just so much easier that way, and that's the way the business always has been. I can flow those terms. Uh, really, uh, we did for a long exactly. time, and it's just that's just the way it was, you know. Uh, hey, I give him cowboy ideas that he's used. Then he forgot after they got over, they he forgot where the idea came from. <laughs> All you want sometimes is just a little bit of positive reinforcement, right? I mean, I'm not looking just at my hand out like, okay, do I get a bonus? It was a matter of getting a little bit of recognition that you did. You went above and beyond, and you came up with a really nice, creative idea that's going to make us all a lot of money. Just a good job. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Attaboy. Yeah. You, so you're going to do the thing in uh, in Brooklyn. You're going to be a part of uh, the 25th anniversary of Raw as well, are you not? Yes, sir, I am. That's all out there, I thought. I thought I read that on the online. So, and you know, if it's, on, if it's online, it's, it's pretty damn true. Well, funny thing is, Jim, they called me and asked me if I was available, and I, of course, said yes and be honored to, to be a part of it. And they asked me to keep it quiet, not tell anybody. And I was sitting at home on Tuesday night, and my phone started blowing up. It was in the other room, and my wife says, Hey, I think somebody's trying to get a hold of you pretty bad. And I went in, and I had all these messages about appearing on Raw. So they announced it on SmackDown last week. So I guess it's okay for me to plug. Yeah, I think it'd be all right. My audience is, they won't say nothing. They, we'll, okay. It'll be all right. You'll be all right. This event, I look at it like a, uh, kind of like a family reunion to some degree. And I'm venturing to say that, that some of the stuff behind the scenes or off cameras, as it were, will be priceless. So, you know, it'd be great for photos and selfies and the social media It'll be nuts. The array of talent that was able to accept the booking is pretty damn cool. Exactly. And and just the to be able to, I would like to just be there as just to say hello to people, much less put on the Brother Love outfit, that which, by the way, I didn't even have one. I pulled a Gorilla Monsoon, and I had thrown my last Brother Love gear out into Galveston Bay. Uh, after an appearance one day, um, so I. But to put put it all back on and to go out and be that character just one more time. But Bruce is probably more excited <laughs> than anybody just to kind of be back and say hello and see everybody for a day and and reminisce and enjoy. You know what was. I can almost hear it now. You know, he's sitting on the dock of the bay, watching <laughs> his gimmick float away. Yeah, didn't even watch. Just chucked it out the window. And it hit me. Gorilla Monsoon threw his stuff out over the George Washington Bridge. And I had a very frustrating appearance, and I had all that stuff. And it just hit me, and I just chucked it out the window. And I got home, and and Stephanie says to me, she goes, "Uh, are you going to put that stuff in to be clean? I said, I don't have anything to be cleaned. I'm good. Wow. It was was done, but it was... uh, it was a good run. I did that with my first set of golf clubs. I threw my foot joy golf shoes in the water, 
And then I was, getting, I was taking my clubs to the dumpster. And this guy said, hey, buddy, what are you going to do with those clubs? I'm going to throw them away unless you want them. So he took them off my hands. I didn't have to lift the bag. He took them, took them and uh, I was done with golf. That's been about four years ago. I'm done. Hey, there you go. You're, get out. Tell the golf game. Get out. The podcasting world is, is really uh, evolving. And I applaud everybody that's in it because it's just a, a way to have plan B. I was seeing online there about Paige, you know, has apparently got a neck injury similar to Edge's that, that uh, took him out of the ring. Apparently her neck is in that, in that same uh, general diagnosis. And so her wrestling career is history as far as taking bumps. But she can certainly reinvent. She's 25 years old. But right. here's a question I'll pose to you. And, and this is one of the reasons I always fought for this point was when you break in the business, Brucey, at 13, as she did, 13. And she's 25. So she's been wrestling 12 years already at 25. Now her neck's gone south on her. What could plan B have been with her journey? Or has there been time to have a plan B? And that's what scares me about some of these kids uh, today. Not that her, I think her thing was an accident, but they take so many extra bumps that you wonder sometimes that just the, the mathematics is going to catch up with you and bite you in the ass. So what do you well, do? What do you do when you're hurt? What is her plan B? Well, thank God. And, and this is, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You sit there and say, thank God she's only 25. So she does have time that she can go and, uh, I think somebody used to say, learn a new hold, if you will, yeah. and go out and learn other things. She's been a promote. Her family's been in promotions their entire life. There's so many avenues absolutely out, outside in the world that you, as a promoter, well, can use. She has a definitive level of sex appeal. She has uh, a good presence on camera. WWE, last I looked, was still in the filmmaking business. I don't think the filmmaking business has to necessarily get somebody over in the ring because in the past, it, that hasn't proven the case. It serves a different master and it has a different model. I don't see that being a, nothing but a good thing. But she could do that. She might become a, a attitudinal interviewer. She might learn with work and practice to be a, a color analyst in a, a post-produced show. She's still got purpose. When I got cut loose, September the 11th, 2013, I think it was. That's Heyman's birthday. September 11th. There you go. Yeah, so career milestone for me, too. But I was thinking, you know, well, what are you going to do at this 61 years old? What are you going to do? Well, reinvent or retire. Retire my ass. And do what? God, I'd, I'd have to give me a gastric bypass. I'd be fatter than hell, so, you know, i got to do something, man. But I, I like the what we were talking about earlier, the, uh, the boldness of doing something in a big arena like the Barclay Center is really cool. You'll have your, you'll have a lot of us uh, that'll be wanting to find out how it went and did you make any money and, uh, but I'm happy for you. I think it's going to be great. Here's what I don't get. And I, I get it, but I, I don't have the discipline to do it. You guys do. I, I admire you for it. Some of your podcasts are what? Three hours long? Sometimes? We've done, we've done a few that are five hours long. On average, they're three hours long. God almighty. Whose idea is that? Well, sometimes, you know, the, the first, the first few ones happened by accident. Yeah. And we, we just kept going and kept going sure. and we, we thought about it. But the response and you, you start looking at your downloads and going, whoa, something's, something's wrong here. The longer they are, it, it seems like the more, the more people listen to them because they, they take it and it's a commute to work. 
so they can listen to me on the way and on the, on the way home. Who would want to listen to me that much? I don't know, but I love it. And, and then we started talking, and I'm thinking, there are people that do four hours of talk every single day sure. on the radio. Yeah. So we're doing it once a week, and we're giving them four, you know, three to four hours. Yeah, not, you're doing a nice audio shift, like a radio shift. You know, yeah. uh, your, your, your day part is four hours long, and you're filling it whenever anybody wants it with audio on demand. So and that's do. the beauty of the podcast world. Yeah. They can, and those that listen to podcasts, they listen to everybody's podcast, which is why, you know, the more that we can plug everybody else's Hell stuff, yeah. like me doing yours and vice versa, we talk about your show all the time on ours because all those people that listen to podcasts, they listen to everything. They're big samplers, man. They're going to. So I was looking at my numbers uh, episodically, and I asked all that information. I said, well, why do you want that information? I said, because I want to go back and see Drew. I want to go back and see who I had on the air and what kind of business it did for us. I'm a booker in a little territory. I got one market, the Ross Report. That's it. That's my town. It's like uh, Paul in Houston or Mr. Muchnick in St. Louis. I got one market. That's it. And that's all I want. I don't want to do two exactly. shows a week. Now, are you as involved in the show prep, Bruce, as Conrad? You guys share that detail, or is that more his bailiwick? And you follow along what he outlines. That's more his bailiwick, and he, he does the research. Now, Conrad will tell you he does all the research and does everything, and I just show up and talk, um, <laughs> which is a pretty accurate description. <laughs> so I just, uh, we, you know, we decide on the topics. We allow our audience to vote for them, and whatever they come back with, and and Conrad does a great job. I mean, so much of it is really his genius as far as he knows the anniversaries. He looks at what's topical. He looks at what's coming up. And we plan ahead, and, and you'll try to put topics that people are interested in. The best, the best polls are the ones that we can't call. Mm-hmm. And we then talk about that subject. And I'll do, I'll do my homework if it's a show, and I'll go back and – watch that show and take notes on it and remember, oh boy, I remember this happened here or that happened there. And I'll insert as we go along. So I'm, I'm filling in a lot of the blanks for it as we go. But when he does a particular, it's, it's so much better when the talent's no longer with us. Well, that's not good. That was a bad way I said that. But when the talent's no longer with us, there's usually an obituary that details their entire life. Yeah. So you got a lot of things that you can go back and, and pick up on and talk about. But it, it's – I just found – you'll love this. You know how – you're a note taker. Yeah. I was a note taker. Mm-hmm. All of my – every single one of my yellow pads and white pads, I kept. Yeah. Me and too. I just found another huge blue uh, Tupperware big bin full of notepads. Wow. There's some, and there's some stuff for just, you. Yeah, you just pull them out randomly, and the notes that that were taken sometimes, and and I would I would make personal notes to myself, and either a to do list or or boy, Vince was pissed here, <laughs> and it's amazing. You, you go back, and it opens up a, a well. You remind yourself of things. That's the thing. Yeah. Sometimes those little notes in the margins is the whole story. I have all my notes from my WWE tenure. And I have uh, 327 hours of one-sheet Mid-South Wrestling formats, episodically, yeah. with, with the Cowboys' handwriting. 
you know, he wrote this format out. You remember, he wrote them out by hand, and then he'd have one of us go make copies. Because, you know, I think well, he, I showed, he, yeah. asked, he asked Grizz to do it one time. They, they thought it took Grizz too long. <laughs> Some crazy damn foolishness. But anyway, Grizz is pretty smart. He's pretty street smart. He probably just outsmarted us all. He got out doing that chore. Don't, don't blame him. He went him. and had a cigarette and took his time. And yeah, said, oh, that's right. Yeah, he's good. Um, I, found, I found one sheet on one page. I had four weeks worth of raws written on it. Um, it was divided into a quarter. And arrows going everywhere. <laughs> and just was like, oh, my God, these kids that write today. And that was, in a lot of respects, that's what we went to TV with. And then everybody filled in their own sheets. But my notes, a lot of time, that was the Bible. I'd slide Vince. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. That's, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, could you imagine the kids with their computers today that, that put the shows together, which – is amazing to me doing three hours, mm-hmm. but for them to look at that and go, that's yeah, I'm, the TV. I'm glad I'm not doing three hours a week. I really am. Oof. I had my run was exactly what it should have been, when it should have been with who it was with our, our talent roster was, I really had a, an emotional attachment to them and, and in my career, we were so busy. People ask us all the time, Bruce, you can either vouch for it or not. It's hard to get too down over a bad week of ratings or get too up over a good week of ratings because you had a week to turn it around again and then another week. There's no time to celebrate or to mourn. Just go back to work. And that's kind of where I found myself. I have to be reminded that we got our ass beat 83 weeks in a row. It didn't feel like it to me that we're getting our ass beat 83 weeks in a row. Kevin Dunn and I used to look at Vince sometimes, and, and he would he would either be dwelling or, or talking about things eight weeks away. And we would look at each other and just go, "Man, we got to get through tonight, or we got to get through tomorrow night. That's what this is. What's in front of us right now? We've got to get through this. So let us get through this, and we'll and we'll get to that. But I don't want to talk about what we did last week. I don't want to talk about what we just did tonight." Because we have too much that we've got to do tomorrow when we wake up. So let's focus on that, and then uh, later on we can we can address everything else. But it was, unfortunately, a lot of the times that's, that's what we were faced with, and people don't understand, yes, we did have long-range plans, but most of the time we were fighting to get through the next day. Yeah, and there's me and people will be listening to this, I hope, but seriously, the some will be listening to the show and our conversation and say, well, there's got to be a, a solution to that business uh, a malady. There's got to be a way to fix that. The structure as it was and, and it, so much old customs were brought forward in the wrestling business or, were just there. I applaud that because I don't think we see enough of those nowadays, but that's just me. Gosh, Bruce, it was just a, we didn't know any other way. And, no. you know, and, and we didn't have uh, the, the volume of people. I don't have, sometimes I think that's good. And I can also, also see where it can get, it sanitizes the product a little bit too much. Everybody loses their boldness, seemingly. And, you know, and, I, and it's funny because I, I hear people often make fun of the brass ring comments and the competitiveness of it. Those that understood that the business is a shoot and it is competitive, get it and those are the ones that are successful to me it's the ones that that truly believe that well if i do what i'm told and i'm just going to go do the status quo 
man, the guys that made it were the guys that fought for it. Top stars were top stars for a reason. They fought for it. And they had to fight to stay there. That uh, Attitude Era locker room was very competitive. Yeah. A lot of very ambitious and forward-thinking guys. There were a lot of crossroads that some guys were passing through. You know, Sean was back injury. Austin was neck injury. You know, The Rock with other career opportunities. Undertaker's body taking a beating, his hips, his back. And seven-foot guys that weigh 300 pounds aren't supposed to do what he did. And on even a remotely infrequent basis. But our guys were beat up and banged up. Man, I don't seem like it galvanized. They, they pulled together. They were... You know, very competitive in that locker room. So you knew they were going to be competitive when, he, when it came to losing 83 weeks in a row. The talent talked more about that stuff than we did. At least I, listen, yep. my group, anyway, we were, I don't know who, I was hanging around pretty much the same guys you were. It just wasn't something that we, we mired in, was it? No, because we were trying, because we were looking at what we were going to do next. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you, and you had to say, okay. And once, you know, once we took over and we, we started winning, it was, okay, great, but what are we going to do next? How are we going to top that? I had a question for you that, I, that kind of takes us back. When uh, Undertaker was in WCW, and I had a difference of opinion with Ole, who was the booker at that time, that he was going to be a big-time player. He, meaning Mark, was going to be a big-time player. And that we were paying him much under his value of what he could possibly be for the company. And he, you know, goes to his tirade, and of course there's the audience, so he's got to you know, try to humiliate anybody he can and and bully and shame and all this other stuff. So, you know, he'll never draw a dime, and, you know, you don't, you don't have any idea what talent is and all this other stuff. So, okay. My question to you is, somewhere along there, did you and I chat about that? Because you, you were working for Vince. Right. And, no, the, the funny thing was, was I had watched uh, – Mark from the time that he was in Dallas and what always intrigued me about him was walking the ropes and he had a lot of similarities to Don Jardine, the original spoiler right. that I, who I was a big fan of. Yeah, me too. And I had thought that, that Jardine had a hand in training Mark, but I just watched him. Then he went to WCW, but Paul Heyman is the one that called me and said, Hey, this guy's contract is coming up. Yeah. Do you have any interest? Vince thought he looked like a tall, redheaded basketball player. And I've heard that. One, be- I heard that before. Yeah, the one match that Vince, I got Vince to watch, was a live pay per view, WCW pay per view, and Taker was working with a dislocated hip against Lex Luger. The match stunk. Wow. And Vince called me, and I'd had the meeting all set up, and Vince canceled the meeting with Undertaker. He's like, ah, I don't need to meet him. Uh, there's nothing special there. You know, Luger's the star there. But WCW had an event in uh, the Meadowlands, and I convinced Vince, just meet the guy. And I didn't know him from Adam, but I loved his work. I mean, from day one, he had it. There was something special about a big man that could move the way he moved. Amen, brother. So they met, fell in love, and I had already come up with this this black knight, for lack of a better term, a dark angel for brother love, um, for me to manage. I really, I, I, I wanted him so bad. You know, it was like there was a package, and Undertaker was born. But it was, it was Heyman who 
man, timing being everything, called me one day and says, hey, his contract's coming up. Doesn't want to stay. Is there any interest? And I was like, coincidentally, yes, sir. Yes, there is, sir. Yeah, <laughs> Paul. Have you had a favorite show? Or have you had a show that has gotten more positive feedback than uh, than another? It's crazy. The For me, my favorite show is one that we did on Houston Wrestling because that was – you know, my birthplace in the wrestling business and what I was most passionate about. We had put it up on a poll, I don't know how many times, and it lost. We got down to two bonus shows or to a bonus show, you pick which one. Conrad really wanted to talk about No Holds Barred and Zeus. I wanted Houston Wrestling. No Holds Barred won by 1%. It was so close, we decided to do both. And Conrad wasn't really enthused because he didn't know anything about Houston wrestling. Hmm. And it was a show that we mainly just talked. We didn't have a whole lot prepared. We just talked. And I started telling stories. Um, it performed great. And that's one that people always come back to me and, and talk about how I started in the business and the different things. So it was a, it was a passionate show for me because it talked about the beginnings and it's one that people seem to like. Our, our biggest show of all time was our first TNA show that, again, we didn't think anybody cared. I would be your train of thought on that one. Yeah. I, we, we thought, you know, this. we did it. It won, but it won by a small margin. Most downloaded show we've ever had. Um, Interesting. And then, yeah, I go figure. Uh, and then the... You know, which which Conrad calls his opus, <laughs> his masterpiece, is the Bret Hart show, which we did almost five hours on Bret. Wow. But there's a lot of material there. Yeah, there is. Sure there is. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I can see that. But I can't see me doing it because five hours or four hours, I say, is not really built for a one-man gig here. I need somebody, you know, to share in that regard. That's just a lot of work, too, man. I, I admire you guys, especially Conrad. Here's the thing. Your relationship with Conrad really started out in the mortgage business, right? Exactly. And, you know, doing mortgages and things. And he, we talked about doing the podcast to help sell mortgages, to be able to give us a platform that we could then plug savewithbruce.com. We're going to help you save money. We are, you know, an equal housing lender and you know, like NMLS. com, ladies and gentlemen. Come on now. Get out of here. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Bruce is one of the businessmen and showmenists, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be back next week for part two of our conversation. A lot more ground to cover. A lot more of your questions for Brother Love. I love you. Brother Love will be back with us next week. And uh, coming up momentarily is my friend John Pollock. We'll have part two of his conversation. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover on that one, too. But not before we thank one of our sponsors who makes this podcast possible. And those are my friends at True Car. Well, ladies and gents, here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. Hello? Placing your key fob to your chin will increase its range. Weird, right? Yeah, it's weird. Well, ready for one more tip you might not know about True Car? That's True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right, folks. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network, 
and nationwide. Inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You'll really enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience. Whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid. So they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience, ladies and gentlemen. I know what I speak by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new car, when you're ready to buy a used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Gordon? Well, uh, as we have said before, I'll reiterate, some features are not available in all states. Thank God Jen is. Podcast One remembers broadcasting legend Dick Enberg. A hearty welcome to Steve Kerr. What a thrill to have listened to you all these years. He's basketball Hall of Famer John Calipari. You uh, still have a great voice of all time. Tennis Hall of Famer Billie Jean King. I just hope everyone listening understands what an icon you are. He's my all-American friend Bill Walton. Dick Enberg, I love you. Listen to his amazing stories and his final interviews on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg Podcast. Only on Podcast One or the Podcast One app. Well, before we get to part two of my conversation with John Pollock from postwrestling.com. Did you hear me? Postwrestling.com. I just want to remind you folks to please hit that uh, subscribe button at Apple Podcasts. Real easy. Drop the bonnet elbow, if you will, or leg, a cheek. I don't care. doesn't matter. It's free. That's why it doesn't matter. It's free. New episodes will be automatically delivered into the phone or tablet. As soon as they're released on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock in California. And folks, if you don't mind, just between us, us guys, us kids, leave us a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. It helps us a bunch. And until you're better paid, I always say thank you. This, this is the Ross Report. Conor McGregor has adopted Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon's strut to the ring. I thought I laughed out loud when uh, they were on their press junkets on the stage. It was just funnier than hell, isn't he? But, so I don't know how big a fan Connor is. You may. What do you think the chances of him, in a 1 in 10, 10 being a lock, him doing something with WWE in the next, uh, let's say, 3 to 5? In the next 3 to 5 years, I go higher. I would say it, uh, for, for this year's WrestleMania, I'm definitely on the very, very, very low end. Um, but I think ultimately, I can definitely see Connor doing a one-off with the company. I don't ever foresee him doing much more than that. Um, it's just, that's a guy that it's just, he is coming off making life-changing money yeah. several times over. I mean, just in mixed martial arts, he made some life-changing um, deposits into his bank account before we even got to the Floyd Mayweather fight. But he's someone that, I mean, he did grow up a, a pro wrestling fan. I don't know how much he follows it today but at one time he was a fan and that to me says that it's something that uh, might, might be a bucket list item for him to do something under the right situation mm-hmm. and and i'm sure that there's a lot of interest on the wwe's end i i don't think uh paul levesque just happened to find himself at madison square garden for connor's fight with eddie alvarez that he just happened to be in the city that night i'm sure that there's uh i'm sure there's been talks uh many times so Next three to five years, I, I'd place it at I'd place it at a seven if we're looking at a scale of one to ten. Let me tell you something: if WWE has not 
had any interaction on a variety of levels. As I mentioned before, it could be just on larger, larger. I don't know. I don't have any idea. But I would be severely disappointed in the WWE that I know if they weren't making a contact because it's a another match made in box office heaven. And you sure as hell don't need Connor on this year's WrestleMania if you have a chance to get Rousey because the Rousey stories could have already been sprinkled about throughout the Shayna Baszler uh, advancing to the finals of the uh, May Young. And Shayna Baszler is another sleeper, in my view, because I think that she is the classic heel. She is a legit badass. She is a massive, massive, massive fan. And for that, I love her. She's going to be a big addition to that whole thing, too. But I'd love to see Ronda at, at a WrestleMania. I'm with you on that deal, man. Only place to debut a star is at WrestleMania. It really is. I mean, and so, then somebody's going to listen. Well, JR, that's why it's passed you by because that's too predictable, man. Huh. Too predictable. Sometimes uh, predictable is all. Uh, when you look at the history of some of the biggest successes, uh, many of them were what people would call predictable today. Uh, others would call predictable uh, logical progression. So I think you and I are in the same boat on that one. Yeah, James. it's logical. No, yeah, it's logical. I'll admit to you it's logical. But if these guys do what they need to do, even though you believe it's predictable, maybe they'll have you doubting your own belief. But uh, that's kind of how I look at that thing. If you had to or able to book based on the rosters in WWE right now, give me a fantasy booking for the WWE title match and the universal title match. Well, on the, on the universal title side, I think that every all signs, I think, have been designed for the past year. Maybe you could even go beyond that uh, towards Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. That, to me, is the, the number one match to make on the Raw side of things, and I feel that that should be locked in place for WrestleMania. On the SmackDown side, I, I think things are much more interesting now with, with AJ Styles in that position because there's a lot of unique uh, matches that you can make with him. I think the, the, the one near the top of everyone's list is Shinsuke Nakamura. I think you go back to the tease they provided at Money in the Bank. That sparked. That's a moment, John. That's a moment. Yes. And bookers look high and low, pull things out of their crack, man. they got to find the moment. And those two guys, just by being in the ring together, legal, against each other, it was a moment. Yeah, so I think that what those guys did was put that um, at the forefront that night, and everyone tucked that away into the back of their mind. And I think it's something uh, Shinsuke Nakamura could really use, that kind of momentum going into WrestleMania for a major championship match that is a, it's a, it's a rematch for people that have seen the match at Wrestle Kingdom, but for uh, newer, newer fans of Shinsuke Nakamura, or even of AJ Styles, um, it, it is a dream match scenario for them. Uh, even though it's happened uh, once prior. So that would be the direction I would go. I think it would give um, a lot of focus on Nakamura going into the AJ Styles match. I think that with Shinsuke Nakamura, I think it's just been a really difficult adjustment of how do we present this this unique performer week to week. Um, in NXT, you had the benefit that um, you could you could have him on one week, and then you don't see him for a few weeks, and there's that mystique, and there wasn't the reliance to work him into the show every single week. And to me, I've always seen him as someone that is kind of this this unique entity on the main roster that you want him to be different. You don't want him just part of backstage segment number four with two other guys. I don't want to see him assimilated within a roster. I want him to be in addition to. And I think that's been the difficult process for Nakamura that linked with AJ Styles 
you have latched him onto something that you know is a payoff that is coming at WrestleMania that you have faith will be a gigantic payoff and they can build it in a way that complements both. I would go with a very serious style build. Like this is two competitors at the top of their game who have a history and they're going to fight over this championship because the winner will be uh, anointed the best coming out of WrestleMania. And that's what both of these men are going to strive to train for for the next three months of their careers to culminate at WrestleMania. And I think it's it could be a tremendous build and one where you showcase a different side of Nakamura outside of just a backstage mm-hmm. interview. So, John, what can be done or what must be done so that we get the same Shinsuke Nakamura that I saw at Wrestle Kingdom 9? Or have injuries and age, the climate, the environment, taken its toll on this guy? I think the main thing is no one knows who Shinsuke Nakamura is if you are just a WWE consumer. I think that the story has never been told with Shinsuke Nakamura. That's a compelling one of someone that was at the top of his game in New Japan, and he chose to walk away from that. That's interesting. Why did he come here? Why did he uproot his family to go from working at Sumo Hall and the Tokyo Dome to Full Sail University, who called NXT a highlight of his career, and he's chasing stardom in the WWE. I don't think that's ever truly been emphasized on television, and I think it's something that you can present the human side of Shinsuke Nakamura and do a sit-down with him. Put up subtitles. Who cares? I want to hear this guy's story, and I think you just haven't given people a reason to connect to him beyond his entrance and and moveset, which yeah. for any performer, you want to go and peel back more of those layers so there is that further connection. I want to see the same snap in his kicks. I want to see the same physicality that I saw on that night in uh, Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom 9. I haven't seen that much. He, I thought maybe his best match might have been with Sami Zayn on on night one. I I think most most would agree that was that introduction was uh, among the highlights and one of the greatest introductions I would say of any WWE performer. When you go back, that was electric to watch that first entrance. Pretty amazing. I I, I was there live, so I'm uh, remember that one a long time. So you're booking Roman Reigns to challenge Brock Lesnar for the Universal Title, and I heard no mention of Braun Strowman. I get the feeling that maybe Braun Strowman may be the guy before uh, Roman Reigns, but I don't know that. Do you think it's a lock that Reigns is in, or are we still waiting to see how things develop? I, I wouldn't classify anything as a lock. I, I was very high on the idea of looking at Braun Strowman as, when we go back coming out of SummerSlam, I thought that this is the guy I would be focusing a lot on. Uh, when you look at just the improvements this guy has made, how the audience has taken to him, he's he's a top player um, to many people. I thought at the time, going to Brock and Braun Strowman, um, it was great for that month to lead up to a match people were very much wanting to see. But after it, I, I think that you, you gave away something that you could have gone back to and made much bigger down the road. That could have been a WrestleMania match to me. I think that um, Braun Strowman is someone that, for this year, I mean, that's always the, the struggle. You have the big buildup to WrestleMania and the new champion is crowned. And coming out of it, 
well, how do you follow up the biggest show of the year? It's having that challenger ready, and that could be Braun Strowman in that position to have this guy that's right at that level that can be ready for, whether it be going back to Roman Reigns or whether it could be Brock Lesnar coming off the worst defeat of his career to try and rebound, and here's Braun Strowman back from that loss where he loses to Brock, now he's come back, and he's learned what he he couldn't the number of months prior. So I think that Braun Strowman certainly finds his way into the main event mix. I don't necessarily see it as part of the WrestleMania main event, though. I've heard that Lesnar's contract is going to expire sometime around WrestleMania time. I would suggest probably after, because how could you book him if you didn't know you had him through WrestleMania, right? So how do you book him WrestleMania if he's, you're not sure he's going to be there? That makes no sense. And, so, and that was the problem three years ago where his contract was up before WrestleMania and made for kind of interesting lead-up to WrestleMania where it wasn't until the week of that the announcement was made that he's resigned. Do you think that uh, he will resign again, or do you think that he will do something else? And if he's going to do something else, would that potentially include MMA? I think that this time around, I feel Brock will, like always, play things right up until the deadline, and I think he will absolutely project that the UFC is an option for him. And I have no doubt the UFC will gladly uh, sit down and entertain the idea of another Brock Lesnar fight. I just look at at this stage in Brock's career that I I feel the WWE direction is the better one for him. And when you look at things of one thing I always go back to, that's always got me kind of hedging my bet on, on what Brock is going to do was being at UFC 200 um, after the Mark Hunt fight and being there at the post-fight press conference, Brock Lesnar was just so happy. Like, this is a man that, yes, he made a lot of money for a night's work, but this was a guy that I feel at the end of the day, he would go fight for for peanuts if he had to. I think he genuinely loves fighting. I think he loves the training. I think he loves just being a fighter. And I'm sure that's always something in the back of his mind. But my gut tells me that, He will ultimately sign one more contract, and I see the WWE initials at the top of that contract. Yeah, I think so. Makes sense. It's a lot of money getting in your mailbox every week without getting your skull, you know, crushed. And look, he's got to be worried about things like that, too. You know, he's played football. He's played, uh, he's an MMA guy, bumps in WWE, you know. So those athletes that are getting around his age have got to start really being aware of their bodies. The USC, because they're kind of like the WWE. That's the name for all mixed martial arts in me is, well, that USC stuff uh, or that WWE stuff, WWF stuff, where it may be. I got into a little Twitter discussion the other day about the guy about, you know, that wrestling, pro wrestling and, and MMA are like cousins. Whether you like it or not, shame on you for not being more open-minded. But I know this, and the statement I made was the USC is in the same position as WWE in as much, John, in as much as both need to create new, young stars that they push to the damn moon. Yes. Because the pay-per-view business, folks, don't BS yourself. The pay-per-view business has one primary driver. It's attraction-driven. People want to see stars, who they perceive as a star. And in this octagon world, that means in those two stars, or a star, are going to whip somebody's ass. I think both genres are a little lacking on star power. So it's a wide-open business right now. What's your thoughts on that pro wrestling marriage to MMA and the fact that 
they're both all their pay-per-views, their big money drivers are attraction driven. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, that's that's the 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 lifeblood of each respective business of professional wrestling and mixed martial arts and the UFC. When you look at just over the past year, if you were to look at their biggest uh, pay-per-view drivers, you have Conor McGregor. That it's a big question mark. That not so much will, will he fight again, but what is it going to take for the company to be able to get him into a UFC octagon again? It's not going to be a bargain. He wants big, big things, and he's got an outlet now in boxing that I think he's going to readily explore. So that's that's a big question mark. We went over Ronda Rousey. I mean, that's that's hard. I mean, I think most people would be pessimistic to the idea she fights again. Then you have George St. Pierre, who is someone that it's not known if he'll ever fight again after just vacating the middleweight title. And then rounding things out is John Jones, who is who is in the on-deck circle for yet another uh, USADA violation and could be facing multiple years uh, away from the octagon. So when you talk about that kind of volatility, um, it makes a Brock Lesnar contract that's coming due very attractive for the UFC who are looking to, to bolster uh, their revenue for one night. And Brock Lesnar will do that. Stars are in extremely short supply and, Creating new stars, it's, it's a big process, as we can see in the UFC right now. You get to have some unbelievable talent and fighters, but to cross over that threshold into that category where you're pulling in 800,000 buys, that's a, that's a tough hurdle for fighters to be able to make. And there's a wide gulf between your John Jones and George St. Pierre's and then the next level that are just significantly lesser stars. How do you think the Oklahoma kid, uh, Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Jake Hager, is going to do in his uh, voyage into the mixed martial arts world. I think that he made a really wise decision going to Bellator, where I think that they are going to understand what they have here with a guy that has that wrestling foundation. He is coming off a pro wrestling career. He is getting older, and I think he'd be the first to admit the fact that his age is, is going to be a handicap for him. But I think going the Bellator direction... They, I think Scott Coker, I think he has a great understanding of, of star making and how you are able to get guys from one level to the next without skipping steps number two, three, and four, and a guy's in over his head. I don't think that's going to happen with, uh, with Jake Hager in Bellator. They've got a really thriving heavyweight division, and I think he'll be matched appropriately for a guy that's having his first professional fight. So... And I don't think he necessarily would have had that luxury in the UFC where you're, you're going to get thrown to some, to some killers right away. I mean, their heavyweight division is not the deepest, but for a guy that's beginning, I think Bellator is the direction to go. So I'm, I'm optimistic to see where he goes. And three to four fights in, that's when you're going to see like where, where he's going to find himself in that heavyweight division because they've bolstered that heavyweight division a lot based on just the names they have in that Grand Prix that are coming up. And that's a big division for Bellator. And I wouldn't even, just tying everything to Lesnar, I mean, that's that's going to be another offer. It might be a long shot, but Bellator, I think, absolutely would try and make a play for a Brock Lesnar if they could. It would be a big hit for uh, Viacom, right? A big, big hit. If you're rebranding yourself, which Spike TV is, into the Paramount Network, and you want to make a splash, I mean, they... They may see the need that, hey, this is a huge investment, but one that 
let's let's make the offer. I don't think Bellator is shy in going after huge names. And I, I think if there's one thing about Brock Lesnar, I, I think he'll hear you out. If you've got the, the dollars behind your pitch, I think you, you always listen. What about a Brock Lesnar versus Jake Hager match? Oh, I, I don't know about that necessarily, if, the, if that was Jake Hager having uh, one of his first fights. but um, I didn't mean the first one, but somewhere down the road. He got a couple of wins under his belt, and Brock was available. It's, a, it's uh, an interesting story to talk about. And all these companies, every company we mentioned today, can do a better job of telling stories and doing vignettes to, like we talked about Shinsuke, who is the guy? Why should I like him? Why should I respect him? Why is he dangerous? Why is he known as one of the more dangerous men in the entire wrestling world? Well, I don't, I don't know that answer. All I know is he's got a cool entrance, and he does the same thing on his entrance every time he comes to the ring. It's an interesting story to tell, Lesnar and Hager, uh, without a doubt. I've thought oftentimes uh, that Lesnar and Josh Barnett would be a very intriguing fight, and the sound bites and the interviews prior to would be most uh, real. Yeah, that's always what you want the most in a Lesnar fight is that the, the other side of the equation understands the role. I mean, Frank Muir really set the template for that, um, and that's someone that is now in the Bellator heavyweight division. I think that would be, that would be your go-to fight immediately. If, I mean, it's a giant if of Brock Lesnar, A, getting back to MMA, and B, if it would be for Bellator. I think we're looking at very low odds there, but there is a, a ready-made third fight there on the table for Brock and Frank Muir, which probably would have been the fight at UFC 200 if Frank Muir hadn't have been suspended just before that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is intriguing. Question regarding the uh, pay. When, let's say that Lesnar does a one-off with UFC, and he's going to do a big you know, headline fight in the summertime. Will he get a win bonus built in, or could he get a, a win bonus built in, or is that normal, or does he get a flat fee? He knows I'm making X dollars no matter how good or bad it does. The way Lesnar's prior deals had worked, like for UFC 200, as I'm fairly certain it was just the, it was just the standard amount, which kind of the, their biggest stars, it's just a guaranteed amount. They don't split up the, the show money and then the win bonus. So Lesnar, uh, it, it would be a combination of a, of a high guarantee and then points on the pay-per-view end. I like the idea of the points. That's always a good incentive, John, you know, to get these guys to, cause you don't want just, you don't want them just to show up. And, you know, uh, and especially he's got to take this seriously because he's not an automatic at 265. He's got to pull some weight. He's a big son of a bitch, and he's a bad, bad, bad dude. So I'm with you. He will play one against the other. And here's what I'm thinking. If I'm WWE, I don't care if he's going to have a USC fight. What do I care? Go make the money. But let's take it. But still, let's get you on own paper. You're our guy. Because he, he probably will not want to sign a three-fight deal. And so... I, would, I don't want him to slip away. That's me. I, I, I Maybe I'm wrong. I like the way they booked him because he's not overexposed. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that's, that's a key is the, uh, the exposure as well. Yeah. I mean, Jim, we're also forgetting maybe, maybe the wildest option. I mean, maybe Brock could rekindle his, his passion for football and Vince McMahon could have a potential <laughs> outlet for Brock Lesnar to make a, a football return. Yeah, hey, speaking of that, what do you think of uh, Alpha Entertainment? What you, what's your thoughts on that, that scenario? It's selling about, what, almost $100 million for the stock was pretty impressive. Yeah, I find the story fascinating. And I feel that if you and I chat a year from now, this could be uh, the biggest story of 2018. At the, at the least, it's going to be one of the biggest stories, what Alpha Entertainment uh, turns into 
over the next number of months. We know it's a real entity, and we know that real stock was sold by Vince McMahon for close to $100 million to fund this. So this is not just theory anymore. There is there is muscle behind this this venture, and I think that it's going to bring about a lot of interesting subjects that when you look at, let's you know, certain trademarks have been filed for the XFL. So if we go with the theory that that is what this is funneling, what is the, the demand and what's the appetite amongst media outlets and broadcasters for a football league, if that is the intention? It's, it's a different world in 2018. If there is a streaming platform out there that wants something, say what you want about the XFL, it's a... It is a brand that is remembered by people, and it was it was marketed very effectively for a year, and it led to that enormous audience that first week. Now, it's probably not remembered uh, as a very successful brand, but it's remembered, and that's, that's one thing that it, if I am a streaming service that can't afford NFL rights or NBA rights, but I want to make a splash with something – Getting into bed with Vince McMahon is something that is going to create a lot of interest and intrigue, which which is what so many of these outlets are, are trying to gain. So I, I'm I'm just fascinated by this story and and what it becomes because it's just such a such an interesting series of events that could lead to um, Vince McMahon diversifying himself, how that impacts his role within the WWE. And, and where things are a year from now. I think Vince has done a phenomenal job of surrounding himself with uh, highly motivated, very intelligent people on his inner circle. I see that the wrestling side with Paul Levesque manning the ship is going to be uh, absolutely fine. I don't have any reservations. As a matter of fact, the stockholders should be happy that Paul Levesque is there because, uh, you know, that's like Bob Stoops leaving Oklahoma. We hired Lincoln Riley. Two guys I think are winners in that world. So, and the other thing, uh, John, on Al- regarding Alpha Entertainment, it's going to be key to see who Vince surrounds himself with there. Yes. And if it's going to be football, if, let's say it's going to be a football league of some sort, who are those names? What, what kind of baggage do they bring with them or not? What kind of accolades do they bring with them? That's more important. And uh, the whole nine yards is, and then let those guys be the face of, uh, largely the face of your brand. Because here's the thing, as, as great as Vince has done building pro wrestling and providing a, an interest in it, a growth in it that guys like you and I are able to earn a living from, and I'm not saying Vince is responsible for, for your success. He's certainly responsible for a lot of mine, but he gave me, he gives me something still today to talk about in his podcast. I'm just thinking that, uh, that football face, I think the last time we had Dick Buckus as our face of the XFL and Dick was very uncomfortable being on camera. So you need somebody that the fans know that they like and looks and is natural on camera. And then, like you said, this rights fees business has changed the face of the game. And this is going to be an interesting year this year, 2018, to see how that all washes out. Because USC's rights are up, WWE's rights are up, as I understand it. And you, you probably know more about this than I do, but on that front, it should be one hell of a year. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to ask you that could you – it's a very different landscape that the WWE has at present. You mentioned, like, the architecture is there now that I think everyone looks at Paul Levesque as that eventual successor that you could hand over. And I think it would be a, a, it would be a transition, but it would be one that I think people would be very comfortable with that transition, that this is someone that understands how this works and surrounding himself with his team. I mean, could you 
ever envisioned Vince McMahon having something that takes the that passion of running the WWE and turning it over to someone, and he segues out because that has always been the big if. If he could, if we would ever see Vince McMahon divest himself from the WWE that if something could replace that for him. I don't think he has to divest himself from the WWE. I don't think he has to go to every TV taping now. I don't think he books the live, the live events. I, mean, I don't know if he even does a payroll anymore, uh, his, the pay-per-view side of it. So a lot of things have changed there. And I would say this, the best advice I would give Paul Levesque is that when you have a conundrum or you're at a crossroads, you got one of the greatest entrepreneurs and, and promoters of all time in the office down the hall. So I, I kind of dig that. So I, I think Vince is, Vince has the, he's not working as crazy as he was. He works, you know, more than anybody in the company, but I think he's very excited, John, about this concept, whatever the hell it may be. He's putting a hundred million dollars with his own damn money in it. Yeah. And it's pretty serious. Where I come from, hundred mil is a lot of money. Yeah. So, so, I put my foot down at 50 million myself. Yeah, there you go. I mean, after 50, that's when I get a little squeamish. But, but so so you're, you're too hard on yourself, son. You're too hard on yourself. I'm thinking. Would, would you ever call football again, Jim? Sure. I think that's yeah. a realistic question here. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Why not? Damn yeah. right I could. Hey, you know, Vince has been really good to me, and he knows I'm a football guy, and he knows I'm, I'm ready to help him any way I can on his project, whether it be football or elsewise. He's paying me very nicely to get my jersey back, and I'm back on the team. I'm not playing a lot, but I'm uh, certainly ready and willing and able to do more. We'll see how that works out going forward. But, man, Vince, he blessed my Access TV contract. He didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And it cost me a lot of money. And I like doing it because I'm going out there once a month now, and I get to have some, you know, live rounds shot at me. I like it. So uh, he was fine with me doing that. I appreciate that. Money comes in handy for all of us. So it's like the boys making a living. That's all. That's it. So I, I would, hell yeah, I'd call football. And I, I'd like to get paid more than the last, last time I, I did XFL, Lawler and I got $1,500 a game. One 1500 top, Yeah, 1500 I don't know for the life of me how you did that four-month period with all your responsibilities on top of that. I, I look at that four months, and I can't imagine being someone in your position and how your head must have been spinning. Sometimes it was. Uh, I had a great wife that kept me grounded and focused. I had a strong leader. Uh, the great thing about working for Vince, one of the great things for sure, is that you don't wonder what the answer is. It's not beige. It's black or it's white. It's yes or no. And that I always appreciated, that the buck stopped with him. And you could always get a straight answer. And it made my job as the EVP of Talent Relations so much easier to pull off. But here's the thing, John. Bottom line of it is, is this. I've been wanting to do football or some mainstream sports on a more regular basis since I still do since I was, you know, six or eight years old. So I, it was an opportunity. That's how I looked at it. It was an opportunity. It wasn't just a payday. It was the opportunity. And the last thing is, is that I've always been a believer of this creed that if you like what you're doing, it's not like really having a job. I got to go to football stadiums. I've seen all my life. I got to meet people in the football game that I'd known of and about all my life. I got to broadcast with Dick Buckus and Dan Hampton. Hall of Famers, Chicago Bears. So I'm a football mark, and I loved it. So hell yeah, man. If he asked me, hey, JR, you got a, got a couple of games left in you? You're damn right I do. Let's go, let's go get it done. But I'm excited about this whole situation. That he's, I see him rejuvenated in a unique way. His pride and his passion will never leave him for WWE. He'll always be there to be the guy. 
but I can see Paul Levesque. Who, look at the, what the brand he's built with NXT. I'm, I love watching that show. It's interesting when you look as well at the parallel that I, I kind of see at the moment where, you know, not knowing Vince McMahon, but clearly this is something that he's very passionate about if he's putting this much behind this venture of something that it is new, it's something fresh, um, looking outside of just the WWE day-to-day business. And I get the similar sense of Dana White towards boxing. And I think that's another story to watch as well. I mean, he's all... He seems to, that Zufa boxing will be something that they move forward with. And I think that's something that when you saw him on the, the Mayweather-McGregor tour, I mean, he was, he was like a kid in a candy store um, in this, in this lead-up to the Mayweather fight that I think that, I mean, Dana's first love was always boxing. And I think that's kind of interesting that we, as we look at 2018, two of the most powerful promoters in the world, um, they kind of have their sights on something that is not they're what we instantly associate Dana White and Vince McMahon with, that being the UFC and WWE products. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting year, to say the least. Have you heard much about uh, the Harris brothers, Ron and Don, and their uh, new company, Aero Lucha? Only that, that the first set of taping seems to get a pretty good response from those that went to the National Fairgrounds. I think that, you know, like anyone, it's it's going to be – more so than the product, more so than the creative, it's going to be the deals you can strike. And it's kind of similar to Impact. I think so many people will hyper-focus on booking and storylines. So much of it, it's just going to be the deals you can put in place to grow the business much more than just, you know, simple angles and storylines and promos. So I think uh, that, that'll that be their initial uh, issue is just getting distribution for this. They have now shot a pilot. They have something concrete that they can show to different broadcasters and outlets. And as you see, everyone that is just trying to uh, gain eyeballs, um, pro wrestling is something that that's always been its history, that it can gain eyeballs and it, it's being able to, to find advertisers as well. So that's that's kind of their step one, and we'll, we'll see how that progresses and if they can find that kind of a deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm pulling for those guys as well. Do you watch the Access TV version of New Japan Pro Wrestling in Toronto? The way it's set up is that we actually don't get access here in Toronto. So I usually get the shows uh, sent to me, though, uh, from Access. They're, they're usually very good about that um, on specific episodes. So. Uh, I, do, I do get to uh, watch it here and there, but we actually don't have access here that's airing the, the most up-to-date episodes. DirecTV has it on channel 340. That's how I watch it, by the way, just y'all are wondering out there. And I think Sling TV also has a, the Sling TV app. What do you think of the uh, their access's presentation of that brand? I've always enjoyed the access shows um, from the time they introduced them and just just the little changes that they made, such as, uh, subtitling promos and uh, just just allowing um, further development of the storylines and the, the different characters. I mean, so often it's just uh, it's you're in in the ring, and I, I thought that that was a nice little touch they did. I think the people had access to uh, a very good job of of packaging those, and now you have such a quick turnaround with the shows as well that it's it's that much more up to date. I enjoy uh, working with the guys at Access; they're good people. Treat me respectfully, and I obviously try to reciprocate that uh, at every opportunity. 
So it's a, it's a good thing for me. I like working with Josh. It's nice to leave Oklahoma about once a month, go to L.A., you know, hang out for a couple of days and do a little work, see your friends, business associates. So it's a fun gig for me, and it keeps me really connected to the business because I'm back calling the matches and calling them live to tape. Or, well, how, that's how we look at it. It's live to me because I haven't seen the material. I don't look at any material before I voice it over. Just I feel like I'm cheating. I don't. I don't. I think I can recognize things and trends and little things going on in the match. The story they're telling. If the story's vivid enough, I can sure as hell tell it. I think. So you didn't wake up in the middle of the night to watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom at 3 a.m. No, sir. I did not. <laughs> I have complete honesty. No, I did not. And I enjoy their product. They got. They have some really good talents. I love the way that they roared into the Tokyo Dome with Jericho and uh, Omega. I like the throwback uh, philosophy of, of how you uh, shoot an angle, add to it, and then blow it off. I, I thought they, were, they covered every base in that promotion in doing that. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. Like Chris Jericho, you could see, I think he was just having the time of his life doing, doing all the build-up to Kenny Omega, that it was just, uh, it was just you know, I, I don't want to say bare bones, but it was just, you know, it was a, it was a grudge build. Yeah. And he got to use, you know, Little things that he doesn't always get to use. It was a different version of himself, and he just seemed like he was having the time of his life uh, setting this up. It was all very simple, and it was effective. John, you are the very best, my friend. I'm pulling for you and Way on your new venture, postwrestling.com. Has it all. Post, P-O-S-T, wrestling, one word, dot com. John is also a Twitter person, at I am John Pollock, P-O-L-L-O-C-K. So postwrestling.com, you can get every bit of information on uh, what they're doing now. You're going to get smart reporting, and not smarky, not a wise-ass. John's not trying to be a sports center anchor with his glib remarks as they cut payroll again at ESPN. So I encourage everybody to check it out. It's bookmarked on my computer, and it should be on yours too, postwrestling.com. And, John, uh, I again, you over-delivered as always, and I sure appreciate you jumping on and you know, you're welcome here anytime. I wish you the very, very best of luck on your new venture. Thanks. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Also, uh, you know, right after everything happened with, with the Fight Network and the law, you were one of the first people that reached out. So I, I really want to thank you for that. You've always been a, a good friend. Thank you for having me on. And uh, it, it's really exciting. I'm really enjoying uh, what me and Way have uh, started here at Post Wrestling. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I find myself I'm spending all day working on this, and I'm having a great time. So thanks a lot, Jim, for having me on. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. The Ross Report. The Ross Report. Big thanks again to John Pollock, one of the smartest guys I know, big uh, asset for me when I prepare for my work with New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV. Smart guy. Wish him and uh, waiting the very best of luck with postwrestling.com. Hell of a sight. Great vision, these two guys. Very smart guys. Uh, they're serious about how they cover the business we all love. Postwrestling.com. Check it out. What do you got to lose? Also want to thank Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love, for stopping by. Of course, this podcast, Something to Wrestle With, on MLWRadio.com and uh, Apple Podcasts. Does a great job with Conrad Thompson. Connie, my mom, I love his chinks. What I could do with those chinks. Bruce will be back next week, as a matter of fact, for part two. We have a lot more to talk about and a lot of your questions. I've enjoyed my conversation with him today a lot. So good to have him back. And uh, remember, Sovereign Knocker, my life in wrestling. We're getting ready to go in the fourth printing. That's a certainty. 
and the demand for the books continues to be very strong. But I'm told that Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and of course our friends in New Jersey at Bookends, bookends.com, they got signed copies of the book. The book's doing good. I'm really blessed and I'm very thankful. And for those of you that are reading it, I thank you. For those of you that haven't read it yet, I hope that you'll try it, and I don't think we're going to let you down. We're very excited about uh, talking about a sequel. A lot of I's to dot and T's to cross, but there's no doubt a sequel is on the horizon at some point in time. We'll keep you posted on that deal. Remember the Royal Rumble Sunday, so many great things that weekend. The NXT TakeOver on Saturday night, uh, our signing on at noon at the Citizen Bank Ball Parks Diamond Club, Slobberknocker Sessions, where if you buy a ticket, you get the meet and greet, photo op, and you'll get a free copy of Slobberknocker signed by me to you. So we think you get a lot of bang for your buck for that show. And Ticketfly.com has the tickets. We start out with 100. We don't have, we don't have nearly that many left, but it's Ticketfly.com. Love to see you there. So noon show right there on the same grounds of the uh, Wells Fargo Arena and the football stadium. Really appreciate you guys listening to the show and supporting our sponsors. It's important that we understand the role of all of our sponsors in our lives and our businesses. I don't forget it at all. I really do respect them and thank them for helping keep this thing free every week. And you guys can help them by just, you know, doing your shopping there or giving all of them consideration for your business. They'll earn it. They'll earn it. And don't forget to support uh, Podcast One. Encourage you to download the brand new Podcast One app. It's available at the App Store. And on Google Play, it's a -a one-of-a-kind app that uh, really gives you an entirely different podcast uh, listening experience. Check it out. You'll see exactly what I mean. It's free, too. Podcast One app at the App Store and Google Play. You know, and you can find all the links to all my sponsors, the folks that make this thing go, at podcastonepodcastone.com. And click on the Killer Deals button at the top right corner of the page. Drop the bonnet elbow, if you will, unless you're an assassin. Or are you an errand boy? And folks, uh, remember next week we got part two of a uh, hell of a booking on my my part. I'm about patting myself on the back. We have part two of the Bruce Pritchard interview next week. Cover some really topical things, and we have part one of my conversation with Conrad. Conrad and Bruce are going to be on my show next week in different roles, completely separate interviews. I think you're going to dig it. Check it out. Apple Podcasts, subscribe for free. Leave a rating. We appreciate that, subscribing for free. It helps us out. And uh, so it'll be a good show next week. Remember, folks, we're in a time in our lives in this country and around the world largely where we could all probably do a better job of being kind to others. And we don't have to be – there ain't got to be so many turds walking around. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And if you see a walking turd, run. Move away from it. There's nothing to see here. But seriously, we should be nicer to people. So with that said, it goes in line with, with saying, do something nice for somebody that you don't even know. That wasn't predetermined. It happened, organically happened, and you were nice to somebody for no other reason than to be a kind soul. That's all. Not looking for your handout or what's my, what's my receipt or what's my payday. It didn't always have to be that way. Matter of fact, it shouldn't be that way very often. So do something nice for somebody that's not even expecting it. And for goodness sakes, remember, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. They're not. So from the Rolling Hills of Oklahoma, I thank you very much for downloading our program. Support all the other wrestling podcasts as well. 
My friend Stone Cold Steve Austin still holding the fort down here on uh, Podcast One. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, with two highly distinguished guests in uh, Brother to Love and Conrad, my mind. I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. The classified memo controversy. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Democrats are accusing Republicans of altering a classified memo on the Russia investigation just as they prepare for it to be released to the public. AP Washington correspondent Sagar Magani. Hours after President Trump was overheard saying he's 100 percent in favor of releasing a classified memo on the Russia investigation, the FBI says it has grave concerns over the document's accuracy. House Intelligence Committee Republicans wrote the memo, which they say shows the FBI improperly used surveillance in early stages of a probe into potential Trump campaign ties to Russia. The top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee says now that the committee's vote to release the memo is invalid because it was secretly altered by the Republicans who wrote it. A spokesman for Chairman Devin Nunez says the changes were minor edits to the memo, including grammatical fixes. I'm Rita Foley. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.